Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Hello, welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. On today's episode, we are going to jump right into a very juicy topic, how to become a New York Times bestseller. On the previous episode, I talk about how to become a bestseller in Canada, which is very relevant for me as I'm Canadian and my book will be launching first in Canada. But if you're listening to this from a different country, from the States in particular, you probably do not care about that episode and really just care about the elusive New York Times bestseller list. That also goes to say, if you are from Canada, as I am, I also really care about the New York Times bestseller list. And I wish I didn't care. I wish it just did not matter to me. But if you were in my office right now, you would see that on my wall, I don't have a vision board per se, but just some kind of visual representations of my dreams, which I guess is sufficient for it. But I have a copy of the New York Times bestseller list and I've crossed out the number one spot and put the title of my forthcoming book and my name there just as some sort of tangible visual goal for me to work towards. However, in my research process, I basically learned that the chances of me ever hitting that list are almost negative like there's probably no chance that at least with my first book I'll be able to reach it because the bulk of my sales will be done in Canada and they do not count the retailers in my country they only count the U.S. retailers so we'll have to see I mean never say never I at least have realistic expectations who knows my second book though could hit this list and I just feel like the more information that you arm yourself with as a writer as an author the better served you'll be and you won't be as disappointed if you don't reach certain thresholds also it's really really important to make clear that the New York Times bestseller list is not a true measure of best-selling status which accounts for total sales, which is why it's a bit controversial. There are a lot of politics involved. The New York Times is a gatekeeper, and like any gatekeeper, they operate by their own set of rules, standards, and procedures. They hold the keys as to who gets in and who gets left out. So they're kind of like an Ivy League university to that extent. Basically, the New York Times bestseller list is the Harvard or the Yale of the publishing world. And with that, historically, there has been a lot of curated elitism, a lot of controversy. It's been said that they 
only rely on major New York publishing houses. There's been bribery, political bias, there's even been lawsuits of authors stating that they hit the threshold of sales, but they were purposely left off of the list. So legally now, because of all of that, it is said that the New York Times bestseller list is the choice of editorial content and is not actual fact. I just wanted to give that alternative point of view and that caveat so that if you don't make this list or you're seeing books that are making it and you're just confused as to how, know that there are a lot of trade secrets, a lot of moving parts, and it is confusing on purpose. But that being said, it also makes it really, really even more enticing. Like if something is hard to get, you want it even more. And the New York Times bestseller list has been published weekly since 1931, which makes it the oldest and most prestigious bestseller lists out there. Making this list is a major deal, but also just know and have in the back of your head that there are a lot of incredible writers, incredible authors who are just ineligible to reach this status, but that doesn't mean that they don't have amazing sales or an absolutely stellar book. For me, and likely for a lot of you, if you're listening to this particular episode, Becoming a New York Times bestseller is the holy grail. It's the top of the mountain of achievement for an author. We hibernate for years, toil away, slogging away at our keyboards, writing these books, and to be recognized publicly, so the external validation that comes with being a New York Times bestseller, the prestige, the title, the credibility, the ego boost, the bragging rights, it's all extremely enticing. And that is one of the reasons why being a New York Times bestseller is traditionally regarded as the gold standard in the publishing world. Basically, as an author, this is our Super Bowl ring. This is our Olympic gold medal. There are other U.S. bestseller lists. There's the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, LA Times, Boston Globe, and all of those are incredible as well. But today, I'm just going to be focusing on how to become a New York Times bestseller. First, how does a bestseller list work? So for the New York Times, there's two criteria. The first is that they tally books sold in a very specific time period. They don't track overall cumulative book sales. For example, the Bible is one of the best-selling books of all time. It will not appear on the New York Times bestseller list. Again, they tally books sold in a very specific time period, and that time period is one week, seven days. So usually it is from a Sunday to the following Saturday. The second criteria is that they tally books sold at very specific places. So certain book sales are weighted more favorably depending on where they're sold. And this is part of the trade secret. You don't know exactly which retailers are weighted more favorably, and that is so that authors can't rig the system. Apparently, I don't know if this is true, but Donald Trump did this. I wouldn't be surprised. But apparently to become a New York Times bestseller, he bought, I think it was like 100,000 copies of his own book. And nowadays, if you do that in bulk sales, over a certain threshold, they'll count that one credit card sale or that one bulk sale at one particular retailer as just one book sale and they do this to prevent people from rigging and cheating the system. So the New York Times bestseller list is typically divided into fiction and non-fiction and within that it's divided into different lists. From what I know there are about nine major lists that you can hit 
under those categories. However, it's really important to note that there's typically only 10 to 15 books that will take up all of these slots because you can hit multiple lists within the New York Times. Hopefully that makes sense and I'm not making it more confusing, but basically there are sub-lists within the New York Times bestseller list. And how many spots are available on those lists? So for fiction, combined print and ebook, there are 15 total slots. There's a fiction hardcover list, again, 15 total spots. There's a fiction paperback list. There's a nonfiction combined print and ebook list, a nonfiction hardcover, nonfiction paperback. Then there's a nonfiction advice, how to, and miscellaneous list. This one is a really challenging one to get onto because it is all of your self help, how to, business books, anything that could fall under those categories. There's only 10 spots available. And then there are three nonfiction monthly lists for business, science, and sports, 10 slots only. And then there are two audiobook monthly lists for fiction and nonfiction, and there are 15 spots a piece. So it sounds like when you put it or frame it like that, there are a lot of chances for you to get on one of these lists. But like I said before, typically there are only 10 to 15 books that will take up all of these categories within fiction or nonfiction. So Barack Obama, he just launched his recent book. He is a number one New York Times bestseller in hardcover and paperback and combined print and ebook. I mentioned it in my previous episode when I was talking about how to become a bestseller in Canada, but it's worth repeating that the nonfiction lists are typically harder to get onto. And that is because it's all of those social media influencers, Real Housewives of New York, Kristen Cavallari's cookbook is on there, and that's because they have such a loyal and dedicated fan base who are willing to go out and immediately pre-order and purchase their book. So honestly, they always, 90% of the time, know that they will hit the bestseller list before their book even launches because of their massive pre-order sales. And while I'm on the topic, I might as well do a little tangent here on pre-orders. I think I'll have to do a whole other episode on the importance of pre-orders because they are crucial if you ever want to be on any sort of bestseller list anywhere in the world. Pre-ordering a book is just when someone buys it before the official launch date. So if your book is slated to come out on March 1st, It's the months leading up to it. People can order it and it'll ship immediately on March 1st to those people. Typically, you can have a pre-order campaign or open your pre-order sales four to six months in advance. And pre-orders are really important for two reasons. One, they give publishers leverage to convince the retailers to stock up early on a certain book. Let's say your book comes out and there's not enough in the distribution funnel. There's not enough books of yours physically printed and they have to say that it's out of stock, this will diminish your chances of being on a bestseller list because if somebody can't buy it, then they'll buy some something else and they'll have to wait months and months and months and it kind of ruins your algorithm, I guess you want to say, on a weekly basis. And the second reason that pre-orders are so important, I just thought this was a really interesting fact when I first discovered it, but all pre-orders count towards a book's first week of sales. 
So here's an example. If you need 10,000 copies to hit the New York Times bestseller list on a very minimum lowball basis, the three months before, if you can pre-sell in pre-orders 5,000 copies, and then the first week that your book launches, you sell another 5,000 copies, all of that counts and towards 10,000 copies in your first week. So this is usually the time when most people will hit the bestseller list. It's your best shot, your best chance, because there won't be another time where you can include four to six months worth of sales in one week. So if you have your heart set on being a New York Times bestseller, here are some other things that you should keep in mind. The first is know exactly what they are looking for. So look at the best-selling books in fiction and nonfiction. What are the types of books that are making this list consistently week after week, year after year? Are they in the genre that you have written? And similarly, look at the big players. What are the names of the authors that tend to appear? Is your writing style similar to them? Also, the Times is known to favor the big New York publishing houses, so get familiar with them. Who are they? What are their submission guidelines? What are some agents that are known to work with them? Maybe you can get your book in with that literary agent. What are the authors that they represent? All good stuff to know, because the more you know, the better your chances are of getting yourself onto that list as well. The second criteria, if you want to be considered for the New York Times bestseller list, is you have to obtain fast and diverse sales. So not only do you have to sell at least 10,000 copies in one week, but these also have to be diverse sales across retailers. If you bought 10,000 copies of your own book on Amazon, there's no chance that you will make the New York Times bestseller list. So your best bet is to sell those 10,000 copies across multiple different retailers across the country. You'll want a mix of sales from big box chains like Barnes & Noble to Walmart and also smaller independent bookstores. Amazon counts. All of it counts. You just want to make sure that there's a diverse array of sales to give yourself the best possible chance. The next tip is to build a strong author platform, especially for first-time authors or lesser-known writers. It is pretty crucial to have a pre-existing audience before you attempt to reach a New York Times bestseller status. That's why, like I said, there is a huge advantage if you already have a million Instagram followers. Whether it's fair or not, whether they're a great writer or not, it's at the end of the day, the book is a product once it reaches this stage and they are able to move product. And then of course, I mentioned it before, but it bears repeating, have a pre-order list before your book launches because all of those pre-order sales count towards that first week of official sales. So if you can shout it from the rooftops and get all of your friends, family, and your expansive email list to buy your book before it comes out, this is a really great way to up your chances of being on a bestseller list. So just to quickly recap, there are so many moving parts, external variables that are out of your control, but overall to get on the list, you have to number one, understand what the New York Times is looking for, what kind of authors and books are consistently on the top of those charts. Number two, you have to have fast and diverse sales across various retailers 
And in terms of numbers, again, these all depend on who your book is selling against head to head in a particular week. But from everything that I've read, if you really need a number, it seems like 10,000 is the minimum number of copies you need to sell in launch week or any other given week, but usually launch week is your best bet to have a chance to be on this list. And other ways include establishing a large author platform, have a really, really strong pre-order email list campaign. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's really fun to know all of these things to see if you can do your very best to maximize your chances of becoming a New York Times bestseller. But just remember that you are a success if you've even just written a book, even if it's not even published yet, it's not on shelf. The act of writing a book, completing a manuscript is in and of itself a huge, huge accomplishment. So celebrate every single win along this journey. Keep your head down, keep writing. You never know which book is the one that is going to just spark, sell hundreds of thousands of copies and guarantee you a number one spot on that bestseller list. As silly and arbitrary as all of this is, it is fun to have some sort of dream, but just be realistic that even if you don't hit it, it doesn't mean you are not an incredible writer and an incredible success. That's it for today's episode of the Word Weaver podcast. If you like what you heard today, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, screenshot and share it on social media, and be sure to check out the show notes at louiseclairjohnson.com slash podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Word Weaver podcast. Until next time. You call it substance over style.